1: Welcome everybody to the Boiler Alert Podcast Sad Edition. I'm here with Ryan Bonaparte. I'm your host Andrew Ledman. Ryan, how we doing today? We hanging in there? Oh, not
3: a great sports weekend. It's it's just been depressing.
1: Well, you know that is true for you, halfway true for me. So, uh, Ryan is of course a Bears fan. I am of course a Buccaneers fan. The two of us our teams faced off today. Ryan, what happened? Um, the Chicago Bears imploded and looked terrible for the second straight week. Yeah, Sha- you know, Shaq Barrett returned an interception for a touchdown, so that helped.
3: Yeah, because you run a screenplay <laughs> on your own five yards. Yeah, it was like line. the four yard. Yeah. He
1: I, he got an interception returned for four yards for a touchdown. So, uh, luckily, not a lot of work for him there. Um, mm. so it takes your Bears to zero and two, and my Bucks to two and zero. I mean. All is right with the world in the NFL for me right now. Yeah. Well, there's a
3: reason I chose Tampa Bay's defense for my fantasy team this week.
1: Hey, that makes sense to me too. That makes sense to wow. me too. I don't know what is going on with that Bears offense, but it is nothing good.
3: No. No it is not.
1: No. Um and are you familiar with an NFL Survivor League? I am. I am in one uh with some people I used to work at. It actually had my first job um out of college, my first like real job um which okay. was way back in uh 2010. So mm-hmm. I am still uh in contact with these some of these people and I'm in the Survivor League since that time. I've won at one time. There're 69 people in it this year and okay. uh I am I picked the Cowboys in week 2. So uh the cowboys of course won so i am still alive uh for now i think we've got around 20 some people already out so um if you've got any tips maybe i should just follow and pick whoever plays the bears
3: i mean that wouldn't uh that wouldn't work or that would work the majority of the time yeah I like. yeah
1: it, you got to just hope they don't have repeat uh opponents early in the season because you can only pick a team once in the survivor leagues um, I did yeah. that one year actually with when the Browns were like really really bad. I picked their opponent for like six weeks straight and got through. It was uh, it was pretty wild. Yep. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, Purdue did Purdue things and I've mm-hmm. looked absolutely terrible against Syracuse. And that's what we're going to spend the majority of the podcast talking about. But I wanted to talk about a little something a little more lighthearted uh, before we go to break. So Ryan. You know we like to talk about food and and desserts on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I I saw some pretty exciting news for me personally uh, last Thursday or Friday, and I wanted to share it with you and see if you found it as exciting as I do.
3: Okay. Does it have to do with ice cream?
1: Uh, Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Are you a fan of the Wendy's Frosty? Oh, oh, this is not where I thought we
3: were going with this. But yes, I am definitely a fan of the Wendy's Frosty. Are you a fan of all things pumpkin slash pumpkin spice? Um, Everything but lattes because I don't like coffee. I also don't like pumpkin, coffee. I'm
1: good. I yeah. also don't like coffee. Bizarre that we've got two people on this podcast uh, who aren't Mormons but don't like coffee. Uh, that's yeah, a rare. Don't like
3: coffee or beer?
1: Yeah. What? I don't either. This is wild. Mm hmm. Okay, I that one I didn't know. I thought I think you're just trying to suck up to me. Nope, I haven't liked beer ever. Don't like liquid bread. Hey, listen, you're not going to find one single argument for me. It's not the most popular opinion in the world, but I just think beer is terrible and before people right. get into our comments and say, "Well, you have you tried this beer? Yes, I've tried thirty, forty, fifty different beers because everyone, when you tell them that, that you don't like beer, maybe this is your experience too, Ryan. They go, "Oh, hold on, and they'll have, they'll hand you a beer." whether it's one they have in their fridge or the what they're drinking at the bar. And they're like, no, 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 taste this one. And then you taste it, and then it tastes like beer. I mean, that's why my
3: favorite beer of any, if any, is probably Coors or like Natty because it's the least beer-tasting beer. It's the most watered down.
1: Yeah, yeah. About the only time I will have a beer is if I'm doing um, an Irish Car Bomb. Okay. And even that, I don't, like, love it, but it's just, like, you got to just take it down real fast, so uh, that is how I get through it. But we're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. Yes. Uh on the w- front. Wendy's announced that they're having a pumpkin spice frosty, and yeah, I,
0: couldn't be be I couldn't be happier.
1: I couldn't be happier. You know, Purdue plays next on Friday, actually. Is yep. that right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I got Friday my night. weeks all confused, yeah. So – we are probably going to record a day earlier than normal um, to kind of keep on the schedule of of giving you enough time to listen uh, before the game. So that means we're going to be recording likely on Tuesday. So I'm hoping between now and Tuesday I can get one of these uh, and report back on how delicious it is because I tell you, I'm excited.
3: Absolutely. I mean, uh, Wendy's usually does pretty good things with the Frosty. I know when they release the, like, the green frosty, which was basically a shamrock shake, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, Wendy's does pretty good with those uh specialty
1: frosties. Yeah, yeah. Were you what? What ice cream were you thinking of? Did you see some big ice cream news that I've missed? I thought you were talking about the new Purdue ice cream. Oh, yes, yes, that was that is exciting. And I wonder, uh, so for those that didn't see, they're going to have two, or I guess they do have now, um, two Purdue ice cream flavors. Um, Mm -hmm. one is like a caramel chip and one is just a vanilla and they're going to be serving that at least at one football game. You're going to be able to find it at a couple places on campus. I don't know that they're going to have it by the time I'm there for the football game in November against Minnesota, just because, you know, most people don't eat ice cream in November. I do because ice cream Mm -hmm. is delicious, but (laughs) if they have it in the stadium in November, I am definitely going to try it. I think they will and I say
3: that because during this game this weekend they had uh they gave samples to some people like there was a big thing in the crowd where they um gave the ice cream as a reward okay so definitely hopeful
1: yeah I'm I'm n- I'm now very hopeful and the article I read said they were just going to to start selling it at football games starting with the game against Syracuse, but it didn't give an end date, so um, I don't know, so we'll see. Um, but I'm very excited to try it if I get the opportunity when I'm there in November. So, um, mm-hmm. Ryan, any other ice cream news or or anything like that before we take a break? Um, anything you want to nope. say about the Bears or nope. Aaron Rodgers?
3: Nope. Uh, well, we thought the bad man was out of the division, but... <laughs> The bad man may end up being whoever the Bears' head coach is.
1: (laughs) Oh, poor Bears. Actually, you know, (laughs) I've always kind of held a grudge against the Bears because of the way they treated Kyle Orton. Uh, Yeah. The whole him and Jay Cutler situation, I always thought Orton got a lot of crap for that because that offense didn't have any weapons whatsoever. I mean, that was a defensive team. Uh, Everyone knows that. And then suddenly, like, oh, no, if we just put in Cutler, it'll really turn us around. It's like, come on. Come on. It, you know, it, it wasn't Orton's fault.
3: The Bears have a tendency to do that to players. Matt Forte, Robbie Gold, Lance Briggs, Brian Erlacher. I mean, as morbid as it sounds, I cannot wait for Virginia McCaskey to
1: go. <laughs> Why? She's the owner. Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. So she's, I think, it,
1: 98 years old. Is she the owner, but does she actually make decisions? Or is she just like, is she an active owner or not?
3: Yeah, and the people making decisions are her kids.
1: Oh, never good.
3: Yeah, so never it's good. a family organization. I'm I'm putting massive air quotes right now. Um, so believe me, I wish they would sell the team, build a new stadium, get Jeff Bezos to pay for it and call it prime stadium or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, that leads me, I had another question written down and I just, I spaced on it until you said prime. What do we think about coach prime at Colorado Dion Sanders? I mean, completely flipped a roster has now won both of his games this season. Um, I mean, do we think this is something he's going to sustain or are they going to, you know, hit the rest of their schedule and run into a bit of a wall?
3: I mean, his kid's a pretty good quarterback. Um, I just love saying his kid's name. Um it's it's incredible what he's doing. I don't I don't know how sustainable it is. And let's be honest, he hasn't faced any world beaters quite no. yet. We'll kind of have to save judgment for when he plays Oregon and USC back to back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we thought, everybody thought it was going to be TCU in their first week was going to be a tough challenge, but it turns out TCU just lost too much um, after right. last season, so we don't really know much about them. But I was just shocked at how dumb the Colorado State coach was for giving Deion Sanders any ammunition, like making fun yeah. of the hat and sunglasses thing. It's like, buddy, buddy, this guy is an insane competitor who will take anything you say about him as a slight. I mean, yeah. why would you say anything to him? It's like peak Michael Jordan. You know, you watch the, the, the last dance or you hear players just in interviews who played with Jordan talking about, you know, he came up to me and said, how dare you say that to me? I'm going to score 40 on you. And then the, mm-hmm. the player's like, I didn't, what is he talking about? I never said anything to him. And then after the game, Jordan will be like, oh, yeah, I just made that up. You know, I was just, I had to, I had to motivate myself. So, like, why would you give a person yeah. like that ammunition? I just don't understand it.
3: Yeah. So it's funny, actually, because uh, Deion Sanders is, like, the good side of nepotism with his kids who are actually, like, good at the sport. Right. I mean, I know his second son actually had a pick six this week, too. So it's definitely a lot better than the Iowa situation. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Which, well, we're going we're gonna to keep an eye on the Iowa situation just out of morbid curiosity to see how they're doing offensively to see if uh, Brian Ferentz is going to get his bonus, or I guess not a bonus, to get his salary back. Um, so we'll see how that 76. goes. That's 76
3: how ma- offensive points.
1: Okay. And how many do they um, need at this point?
3: So far, 75.
1: Okay, so they're right there. They're They're on the mountain yep. climber, you know, just above the line.
3: Yeah, and it took a 39-point outburst. Now, I don't count the safety or the pick six in these numbers.
1: I wonder if the contract does. I didn't actually read the fine print of the contract.
3: My understanding was that it was offensive output.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. He is the offensive coordinator.
3: I mean, if not, they are above it, but still, even with the added nine points from your defense, your, your margin for error is not that great, and no,
0: no.
3: you don't play any more non-conference games right. anymore. Yeah,
1: the the schedule is about to heat up for Iowa and for the rest of the Big Ten, so I think we've delayed enough, I can't think of any other way to waste our time, so let's go ahead and we'll take our break, uh, come back, and then we'll look ahead, mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry, we'll look back to the game against Syracuse, I wish we could oh, look okay. ahead, but... We gotta look almost back first. At it. Yeah, I almost got through it. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Ryan and I talked about this before we started recording, and we're going to do this podcast a little differently. We're going to do an optimistic side and a pessimistic side. And we decided, since it's probably going to be a little bit shorter, we're going to do the optimistic side first. And I want to preface this by Mm. saying this is something that I personally struggle with because I am the person that runs uh, the Hammer and Rails Facebook account, the Hammer and Rails Twitter account, and you know for so for the last couple years every tweet you've seen has been from me um i can't claim ownership you know much further back than that but for the last couple years it's been me and there's a strange phenomenon on twitter at least sports twitter of you basically it's like everybody has to choose a side you're either all in on this team and Ryan Walters is going to bring us to the promised land and he's a great coach and blah 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 Or Ryan Walters is the next coming, second coming of Daryl Hazel and needs to be fired and we need to just replace everyone in the athletic department and blah, blah, blah. And if if you mention any nuance, you get pilloried. And the answer obviously is somewhere in between. I mean, we don't know enough about Ryan Walters at this point. So I struggle to, like, what kind of tone do I take on Twitter because – I don't want to be always incredibly negative because there are good things, but at the same time, I'm I don't want to blow smoke at people. You know, I want to try to be honest and have an actual dialogue, but that can just be so hard um, on the internet. Ryan, do you do you find that uh, is a similar problem for you as well?
3: Yes, and it's even harder when you know that you have to put out content, kind of laying out how a game went. Exactly. And you don't want to inject too much of your own opinion in there. Of course, we always do. We're all homers here. Um, but, yeah, it's a fine line of how how much do I really want to r- relay a story or how much do I w- want to tell it through my lens. So, I completely agree that it is a difficult balance. Um, I do not envy you with running the Twitter sometimes, just... For the sheer fact that it's so polarizing on that website that (laughs) people will come after you if you say the wrong thing or even if you don't say the wrong thing but simply don't take a stand so it's not the easiest in the world but um it's definitely comes with the territory
1: yeah and
3: i think we're usually pretty well up to the task
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we try to find a good balance of positive and negative. Um, Right. But, man, in this one, it sure is hard um, to find a lot to hang our hats on. So you were at the game. You were in the press box. I will Uh let you go first with something you found a positive in because I'm not sure how many there's going to be. So I wanted to give you the opportunity first.
3: Yeah, well, first and foremost, are we going to allow me to keep going into the – (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you've now covered, um, since you came on to Hammer and Rails, you have covered three football games for us, right? Yes. And how, what is Purdue's record in those three football games?
3: So they have not won, and two of them were very disappointing. Well, yeah. I would say all three were pretty well disappointing, but two of them were very outmatched.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, outmatched is a fun way of saying it. Uh, considering your first game you covered for us was last year's Cheez-It Bowl against LSU.
3: Yeah, so it's it's been a experience, that's for sure. And, and not to mention, I was the only hammer and rails writer at the uh, round of 64.
2: Oh, God. So
3: I'd... are we allowing me to go to things anymore? Yeah, I really think we might want to... I was at the winning of the Big Ten championship, though, in Chicago.
1: Yeah. So
3: I got one under my belt.
1: I I might have to have a conversation with Drew, the co-manager, uh, and see if uh, we need to make some hard choices. I mean, I like you right. as a person, Ryan, uh, but I will throw you under a bus if it means Purdue will win.
3: So if we need a certain team to lose, just send <laughs> yeah, me just send there, you okay. that.
1: Yeah, maybe we can get you embedded in another site. Okay. Maybe gotcha. we can, can you think we can get you hired in Wisconsin's uh group uh before well, Friday? I
3: mean, uh get on the phone with Bucky and uh their cohort, so
1: we'll we'll see what we can do. So uh, uh yeah, you've you've had some very bad luck, but I'm a firm believer that it's not you. Uh we'll, it's it's gonna be alright. Um they'll turn it around eventually, I I hope. Um
3: Would you say you're optimistic?
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. So, give me one thing at least, and then we can go back and forth maybe on, on something you were optimistic about coming away from Saturday's debacle. Which, uh, in case you are listening to this and don't know, Purdue lost 35-20, to and it wasn't that close.
3: Right. Um, I was optimistic about Purdue's passing game. I mean, outside of his interception, which was just a slight overthrow of a receiver he led him a little bit too far and the ball got tipped back into the arms of a defender um hudson card played very well with um throwing the ball it's he uh had a lot of very precise throws that only his receiver could catch now with the five three three concept there was some space everywhere it seemed but he made the throws he needed to make and I think I counted three throws that were um, not great throws, and he threw the ball almost 40 times. Yeah. So that's a very nice percentage. I mean, he only had one touchdown pass, but that's sometimes just the nature of the game. Um, And he had over 300 yards passing. So he played well in the pocket. I think he moved very well, and he was very – decisive of whether to run or whether just to uh throw the ball away which is something we've always wanted out of hudson Carr. right um i think that's the sole bright spot was his passing game but um i think that is where you want to Mm -hmm. have a bright spot if there's only one
1: yeah yeah and obviously we can save the rest of his game for the second half of this part of the podcast um I agree with you. I think um, Card threw some really good balls, um, yeah, especially some deep balls that were just not caught uh, by his receivers. They were put mm-hmm. in, they were put in a great spot where only his receivers could get him, as you said. And that's what you want when you're taking a shot like that. Um, you know, Purdue. Just, I mean, how many times did Syracuse throw the, throw the ball down the field versus Purdue went sideline to sideline? So when Carr did throw it deep, I thought he threw it very well. Um
3: mm-hmm.
1: As you said too, largely his decision making was good. Obviously, you know, he did get intercepted. Um and we can talk about the rest of his game later, but from a from a deciding when to tuck it and run perspective, I thought he did a good job. So, I agree with you there. The one I want to highlight is a wide receiver, Abdul Rahman Yassin had mm-hmm. absolutely his the, the best game of his career 10 catches 114 yards uh with a long of 25 and was absolutely uh really dependable. I think I can only remember one catch that he did not haul in. Um mm-hmm. and and the commentators even made a made a, made a note to point it out that it was kind of shocking that he dropped it. Um they were calling him Mr. Dependable I think or Mr. Reliable. Yes. I can't remember the words they used. Um but, I mean, it, it's great to see him. He's struggled to stay healthy. He's had a very, very hard time um, staying in the lineup. And it it's great if we can get Hudson Card, a guy who can go down as like a possession receiver, a guy who you know you can throw to and you know who can can hang on to the ball. So an emergence of <laughs> Yassine would be great for this Purdue team.
3: Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I'm kind of neutral about, just because it wasn't really – brought or it wasn't really put into a a position of where they had to shine was the interior defensive line they've been very good this season so far um it's just Syracuse did not run inside almost at all um this weekend so they didn't really have the ability to shine but had they um needed to make a stand I think they would
1: have I I don't know I just don't know (laughs) I just don't know, um so we'll
3: call that a neutral,
1: yeah, I suppose, um let's see, I mean anything else good uh that we can come up with um, I thought um, Sanusi Kane played all right, um made okay. some good hits, uh Thienemann was all over the field as always, Cam Allen got mm-hmm. another interception, um you know he he's good at at finding the ball now he's got twelve in his career, so those mm-hmm. are all good things, um, you know, scorton. I thought, did a great job getting in the backfield. So did Jenkins before he got uh, injured and and left the field um, Mm -hmm. there. So that is not great. Uh, The the only other thing I I think is worth mentioning to me and the positive is uh, Will Held came in, and I thought he looked really good uh, for the time he was in there. He was fast. um, He was quick to the ball. He was aggressive. He looked strong, and he really, I think, is going to be ready a lot sooner than people think.
3: Yeah, Um. the only issue I had with Will Helt was he seemed to bite down a little bit too hard on some read options that kind of allowed some free runners. Um. That seemed to be the majority of the defense who did that too, so it's not just Will Helt, but
1: yeah, you're right. right. He
3: did look athletic and pretty quick out there, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, you know, I'll take those things, put them in my back mm-hmm. pocket, and say, uh, you know, that's maybe the best we can do for now. This game was just terrible, um, terrible mm-hmm. from the gate. I mean, Purdue looked like they had a good drive going initially, and then this goes into the coaching decision making. You know, decided to go for it on fourth and one, down within the ten yard line,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and
1: Hudson Card fumbles obviously it was you know he wasn't going to get the first down anyway so it would have been a turnover turnovers a turnover whether it's a fumble or on downs but they don't take the points and ultimately I, those points loomed large at one point when Purdue was down 28 to 20 because if it's 28 to 23 it's a whole new ball game and Purdue just needs to score a touchdown uh i don't know if that would have changed the play calling changed the decision making but Purdue just you know, took points off the board there, so it, it was it was an ugly game. And Ryan, I I'll let you go first, but I know what I think you're going to say is the <laughs> the obvious flaw in this game, the the worst pessimistic thing about the game.
3: The most pessimistic. I mean, um, it's got to be the rush defense. There's when the opposing quarterback can rush for 195 yards on you, um, you. What are you going to do? I mean, I in my game wrap, I actually brought up the uh, Louisville
1: game against
3: Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. I mean, he only rushed for 107 against Purdue. Yeah,
1: Purdue, I was at that game. Purdue actually did a really good job of slowing down Lamar Jackson.
3: Yeah, uh, that did not carry over into the Walters era, at least for against Garrett Schrader. Yeah. So... That's the defensive uh, pessimism. And then the other one is it's like a 1A, 1B. It's ball handling. I yeah. mean, seven fumbles. Yeah. Seven.
1: And and, and it was like only two, two people.
3: Yeah. So now Hudson Cards is I will give him a little bit of leeway.
1: I'll on give him leeway on one of them. He
3: had. Oh, okay. And which one is that? The blindside. Yeah, the uh, blindside
1: sack? block, uh, blindside hit um, on him. I mean, mm. there, he had no idea he was there. Uh, our left tackle um, just completely. I think it was just a, a, just a missed block, or there were, they sent too many. They didn't pick up a blitz. They I can't sent remember. Six. Yeah, they sent and, six, and there were only five. And and Purdue just had nobody there. Uh, the backfield uh, was empty. Nobody to chip him, and he mm. just just destroyed Hudson Card. Um, and Card had no chance, um, and just I, that fumble. I mean, you obviously you don't love it. You don't love any fumble, but that one you can at least understand because that was what they call you know a lookout block, and he didn't have a chance. Yeah,
3: yeah. So the first fumble, we already mentioned it. It was going to be a turnover on downs anyway, so it was unfortunate that he got credited with that fumble too. It's like just add insult to injury right, on it. Right. Right. Um and then the third one on when they were driving into Syracuse territory, which I think every single fumble and turnover was in Syracuse territory. Yeah, all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a play action play, and I think it was Tracy on the yeah. play action actually knocked the ball uh, out of his hand. So I don't know. I I give that a little bit of leeway there. Like, that's something you should definitely know how to do, but it's not necessarily all on Hudson Card there.
1: Yeah, I get that. I I get that, and that's fair. But at the same time, if you're running the RPO and you're the quarterback, you've got to be forceful with your decisions, and I think he was a little hesitant on that. And, you know, if the running back isn't sure of what you're doing and the decision that you've made – they're gonna run, you know. They're gonna try to take that ball and go because, yeah, they they don't know at that moment. Is he giving me the ball? Is he going to take it back? And you've got to be so clear with your decision making. And I just think he was a little hesitant there. I uh, it might have been one where there was a bad snap um, because Purdue had a couple bad snaps during the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, still three three fumble. I mean, he fumbled four times, lost three of them, and right. it, it was just. It was like there was butter or Crisco on the ball, man. Just outrageous. Maccabee's
3: I can make
1: no excuses Yeah, Yeah, Maccabee, Maccabee just – he looked like he was carrying a loaf of bread home for his mom.
3: Yeah, um, it, it was – it's to the point where you almost wonder if he's going to lose what little snaps he currently gets just because um, right now the rushing game is just – it's it's like a Jeff Brom era uh, rushing game. It's just not there. Um Yep. Whether or not it's inside rushes that Purdue Ugh. cannot get any movement on. No. Especially if you're coming out of the shotgun. Um, that or just the failure to recognize that you have to do an outside run game or read option game.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's, there's just so much to just complain about with that, with the decision making. The lack of execution in the rushing game. We we don't have that much podcast time. No. Um, there's a lot of issues. I I need to see improvement from Graham Harrell.
1: Yeah. And yeah. how
3: he devises his uh, game plan. And some of that comes down in Ryan Walters. If you're the head coach, you can say. I want to run this style of offense. Right, make it work, Graham Harrell, and it also comes down to if you're the head coach, Devin Mockaby, you fumbled three times. We're gonna run the ball with Tyrone Tracy, and that's exactly what he did. And uh, Purdue scored their final touchdown with Tyrone Tracy, who you know at that point it almost looked like they were sparking a little bit. So if if changes aren't made I don't know how lenient you can be on the coaching staff oh no but if you try to make a change and the same thing is happening at what point do you say well Devin Makimi is still a sophomore and you know then the excuses of well Ryan Walters doesn't have the level of talent he needs quite yet that that's kind of just what the roadmap of this whole thing is going to be You're always going to find a scapegoat, but at some point you need to solve these problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to go back to what you kind of started with there, I mean, Devin Mockaby, three fumbles, somehow lost none of them. He got very lucky that the last one was reviewed um, and Mm -hmm. rightly overturned, um, that, you know, a Purdue player touched it while they were out of bounds. I think it was Deion Burks. And so it it ultimately was Purdue ball. Um so we got lucky with that one but he is just not taking care of the football. I don't know if he feels an added pressure to kind of make an extra move and make guys miss and try to get extra yards, but man, he he's really struggling and I hate to see it because you know, he's been such a great player during his limited time at Purdue, uh, a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. You love just his story in general and he to see him struggle like this really really stinks. Um, you know, it it's difficult to watch. It, he, you know, he fumbled. It was it in Fre- in the Fresno State game. He fumbled, but Purdue recovered yes. as well. Yeah, so he's now fumbled, I believe, four yeah, times on the, snap se- of the season. Yeah, so he's fumbled four times on the season. Hasn't lost any of them. I want to be clear, um, mm-hmm. but y- that is not going to keep up. I mean, if you fumble four or more times, I think the odds are pretty low you're going to recover four more fumbles. Um, but Purdue. Right. This goes to your talk about about coaching and play calling. Purdue has got to figure out third down. Third down and short. Yeah. I mean, third down and 1 might as well be third down and 30 for this squad. They cannot mm-hmm. pick up a yard when they need it. And they seem to be running the exact same play every time. I mean, my wife came down uh last night after putting our son to bed and I don't even remember what it was. We were wa- we you know, obviously we were watching the game um and I, it was third and one or two near the goal line and something like that. And I said, I swear to God, if they run it just slightly to the left of center, I'm going to scream. And sure enough, we run it just slightly left of center, lose a yard or half a yard. And Mm -hmm. I just went, I was just like, just, I wanted to scream into my pillow or just at the top of my lungs. But again, three-year-old upstairs asleep. So I was not about to do that, but man, it's just, it is so predictable And Mm -hmm. like things can be predictable if they work, but this isn't working. So why are you continuously going back to it? And I know we previously talked about, well, it's not that they're always trying to run inside. It's that they're being funneled from the outside to the inside by the defense. Okay. You're an offensive coordinator, figure it out. Like I don't get paid a million dollars to do this. And I can tell you what they're going to run Imagine what the defensive coordinator on your opponent thinks who is getting paid, you know, uh, six figures, maybe a million dollars to figure out what you're going to run. If I can figure it out watching from my couch, what is this guy doing? We, we've just, we've got to be less predictable and we've got to find a way to get a yard on third down or fourth down for that matter. But man, yeah. this, this third down and short situation is so maddening.
3: Right. I will say in this game they did not run the ball every time on third and fourth and one. Um, they did have a couple passes. The turnover that uh, Card ended up fumbling on was on fourth and one. That was supposed to be a pass uh, out in the flat to Dion Burks. He got held up. I think he ran into one of his teammates actually, and then Card just scrambled and ended up fumbling. Um, you had the final turnover on downs, which was or um, on fourth and one. That was a pass that just got broken up. It was good defense. So they're, I think they're starting to try and go away with the run on the third and fourth and short. But why are they continuing to run the ball out of shotgun? Yeah, I wasn't on board with this last week. Yeah, fully, me either. Just because I am fully fully on board now like you need to go under center and sneak the ball or you need to just have some sort of read option to the outside it is absolutely possible um the other question that i have is why are they not using dylan downing
1: i mean they're using him a little
3: rush yeah, I, from what I understand, Dylan Downing is the uh, bruiser of the running back room. It's not Tracy. It's not Mockaby. It is Dylan Downing, and he only had a single rush in this game. And I could have told you he could have been used a couple more times. So,
1: Yeah, I, Purdue has got to find a way to get push, to get better blocking, to have a run game that is serviceable. Mm-hmm. And with Gus Hartwig out again for the Syracuse game, they just continue to struggle. And I don't know what they can do um, to change that up. I was trying to, I was looking at the Purdue uh, roster because I'm trying to remember this guy's name. Um, he's a young running back and he supposedly just like built almost like a linebacker or uh, a fullback. But you know he's a, I think he's a true freshman and has not yet played. But there was talk that maybe he would be able to come in and do something this year. Uh, Mondrell Dean, yeah, he's mm. a 6'3", 240 pounds. Uh, he was getting a lot of press uh, in the in the summer and in the um, preseason as a guy who really surprised. And he's a big guy and he's a bruiser and. I don't know why we can't just throw him in, as maybe use him as a fullback position, use him as an extra blocker, whatever we need to do. Maybe he's bad at blocking. I don't know. We've not seen him in live action, so maybe he still doesn't have the technique down. And that is a justifiable reason. But, my goodness, we've got to do something. Yeah. So, one of the other issues I did
3: notice while kind of reviewing the game, um, at least on a couple of the plays the pressure that stopped the run on third and one was not from the interior either. It is the outside linebackers crashing down on the running back and it's because you're in shotgun. Right now. My question starts to spur, uh, what's going to happen when Purdue returns Garrett Miller or Paul Perferi? who did not play in this game either. Right. So we we like to think that you're going to have these answers to our questions when the offensive line and the tight end position is healthy. But what happens if that doesn't work either? I'd like to think the coaching staff at least has a secondary plan Outside of hey, we just need healthy guys. And I don't think that's too much to ask for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the I mean, for those who are longtime Purdue fans, you'll know, of course, that Purdue had multiple offensive linemen transfer who are expected to be contributors and even starters, or yep. multiple offensive linemen who retired following back injuries. Um, Mm -hmm. last year and into this year. So I want to say combined with those two scenarios, Purdue lost about four guys. And that is tough to recover from. And, you know, uh, Ryan Walters and staff tried to do everything they could to fill the holes and bridge the gaps, but they just – it hasn't happened. Um, Right. And, you know, I'm not trying to insult anybody who's on the roster or anything, but they're just not getting the job done. And it is such an important position that – Unless there's an upgrade coming or, you know, someone in a redshirt year, you know, suddenly impresses and, and jumps into the starting lineup or we can bend some NCAA rules somehow and bring in some transfers right now, um, yeah. I, I don't know that it's going to get better. That is not something, you know, you can improve technique, you can get a little um, better as the year goes on, but I'm not sure you can get that much better.
3: Yeah. All right. I don't know if it's a, a fully out of my system, but. Now that we've kind of dumped on every phase of the game, minus special teams who,
1: by the way, missed an missed extra point. point. But that was uh, not the kicker's fault. It was a terrible snap, terrible hold. Uh, the laces were in, to quote Ray Finkel. Mm.
3: Yeah. Well, I, glazing over that, are you ready to talk about the referees?
1: Oh, my God, they were so bad.
3: Oh, boy. Uh, it's It's to the point where I actually – had to put a section about the referees in the game wrap. That's how you know they are that bad for and, this game.
1: And before we get into this conversation, I want to make it clear, and I think you would agree, Purdue did not lose the game because of the refs.
2: In Purdue no lost way the, did they lose Purdue the lost
1: the game because they could not stop Schrader from not only running all over them, but falling for every fake he did for that. I, I don't remember if it was the first or second touchdown when he basically could have crawled like a baby First one. into the end zone. I mean, he had so much time. There was no one over there. Everyone fell for it. It was absolutely pathetic. So, Purdue did not lose because of the refs. So, I want to make that clear. That being said, they were atrocious.
3: Yeah. Um last time I checked, if you're blocked into the quarter, oh my god, yeah. Not roughing the quarterback. Yeah. Um Also, if a ball is 10 feet above your head, it's uncatchable and therefore not pass interference.
1: Yeah, that was at least three Um, plays, I think, for Purdue that they got called pass interference um, that were clearly just uncatchable balls.
3: Yeah, and two of them were on Cam Allen. I actually felt bad for Cam Allen for a second there. (laughs) Which
1: takes a lot for the the two of us.
3: Yes, I mean, he he did not do something wrong twice in a row and got flagged for it. Um, and then the other one was uh
1: bostros, yeah yeah and and um, I mean the so... roughing the roughing the passers were so soft, as you said, we got blocked into um the quarterback on one occasion. It happened to Syracuse as well, they got called for one in a very similar circumstance, um, right. but then we also had one where our player barely touched the quarterback's helmet and got called for it, and it was just i mean. As people said on Twitter, you know, it's technically the rule, but they're enforcing the letter of the rule and not the spirit of it. He didn't go after his head. He didn't even hit him. It was like his arms were up and they just happened to come down and glance off his helmet, and that's not what the rule's about, and the refs should know that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I know it's very difficult to say this and not sound whiny about it yeah right but there was a couple times especially on the garrett schrader the 35 yard touchdown run there was a clear hold that you could see on uh replay yeah that was just missed and i'm doing my best i know that happens in every game and as we said this is not why purdue lost but the refs did not help purdue um dig out of their hole they dug it a little bit deeper
1: yeah yeah
3: so just had to get that last little vent out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think overall, I mean, no one came out of this game except for maybe Yassine uh, covered in glory from the Purdue side. I mean, there right. are mistakes all around, you know, the, the turnovers, man. And the coaching staff with some, some pretty bad play calling. The referees were very bad. But I just it, – it is – very hard to watch a game like that. Um, yeah. It, nothing good came out of it. So I just, I want this team to be healthy and I want them to actually improve. I want to see something out of this staff because I think the staff is a very good staff. I am a bit worried about our offensive coordinator right now, but maybe, maybe given time, uh, it, it'll turn around. But I'm not optimistic about him right now. Um, but. Man, just a, a terrible game. So, uh, Ryan, any any final thoughts before we get out of here? I think we've, you know, depressed everyone enough on this version of the pod.
3: Maybe playing on a Friday will give us the mojo
1: we need there to you finally
3: go. be Wisconsin.
1: There you go. It'll be like back to their high school days. Right. So, yeah. who knows? New yeah. coach? Uh, yeah.
3: Confidence is not, uh, not at an all-time high.
1: No, no. Confidence is cratering, uh, but... You know, we're still going to be there on Friday. We're still going to be watching our boilermakers, enjoying every minute of it, cursing, screaming, mm-hmm. you know, yelling, hollering. Probably doing some drinking if you're not working the game, like Ryan. But you know, oh, overall, we're 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 already three games into the season, 25 percent of the way through. So let's just mm-hmm. you know let's try to enjoy it. We're we're looking at the growth of a new program, new head coach. So. Let's try to find a little bit of positive, but also be realistic out there. So for Ryan and myself, thanks so much for listening. We'll come back with you a day earlier than normal as we look ahead to Wisconsin.